Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. I hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Genesis chapter 45. I mentioned in our last episode that it is almost a shame to have to deal with this story in chapter-sized chunks. That's the price we pay for all of our handy-dandy chapter and verse markings. Of course, it makes it easier to find things, but harder to hear stories as stories. Let me at least remind you of where we've been. In our last chapter, we saw the final test of Joseph. He put a silver cup. I sometimes wonder whether Joseph made that silver cup out of 20 pieces of silver, 20 pieces of kasef, but of course, I don't know. I just know he put this very particular cup into the pack of his brother, Benjamin. He wanted to see if his brothers were changed men. He wanted to see if they would trade their freedom for the life of their younger brother. He gave them every chance to do just that but they don't. They won't. They refuse. And Judah, whose idea it was 20 years ago to sell Joseph into slavery, Judah offers his life as a ransom for Benjamin. These are changed men. They have been tried. They have been tested. And they have come forth as gold. Thanks be to God. We pick up the story at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Joseph would not have wanted the Egyptians to know that his brothers had sold him into slavery. So he ensured that this climactic disclosure would occur in total privacy. Verse 2 says, And he wept aloud, so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. The brothers at this point could not know what Joseph had in mind. Had all of this been a ruse to entrap them and to allow him to throw them into prison as they had done to him? Verse 4, So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in this land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry! And go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds, all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five 
years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck, and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. And this, of course, is the climax of the story. This is the moment when everything becomes clear. God has sent me here to preserve life, Joseph says. That's what this has been all about. God has been working, saving purposes through all of this darkness and deceit and greed and malice and injustice and delay. God has been in this, saving you and saving me and saving us. Derek Kidner says here, the words, you sold me, God sent me, are one of the classic statements of providential control. This biblical realism to see clearly the two aspects of every event. On the one hand, human mishandling and the blind working of nature. On the other, the perfect will of God. And to fix attention on the latter as alone being of any consequence was to be supremely exemplified in Gethsemane where Jesus accepted his betrayal as the cup which the Father has given me. Closed quote. Joseph sees here a double causality. Yes, the brothers acted responsibly. They, they weren't puppets, and God was definitely not making them do evil things. They did those things out of the malice and jealousy and immaturity of their own hearts. But God was superintending events such that their evil decisions ultimately were used to save and sanctify a people for himself. This is one of the most marvelous doctrines in all of Holy Scripture. Joseph states it again even more succinctly in chapter 50, verse 20. He says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. This is the doctrine that we sometimes call compatibilism. The idea that there is no contradiction between the idea that human beings act responsibly, they make real choices and decisions, and yet God is ordaining and directing such that his sovereign saving will is perfectly accomplished throughout. You see that over and over and over again in the Bible, but nowhere illustrated more dramatically than right here in the story of Joseph. Verse 16 goes on to say, When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this, load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, Do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father, and come. Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. 
Here we see Joseph's plan amplified, augmented, and authorized by Pharaoh himself. This will serve to make Joseph's people more than immigrants, but almost wards of the state or guests of the king. God could not have arranged things any better. Verse 21 goes on to say, The sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. To his father he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed he said to them, Do not quarrel on the way. Now, Joseph isn't just being paternal here. The JPS Torah commentary understands the text to mean, do not engage in mutual recrimination. Joseph understands that in order to explain all of this to their father, they're going to have to confess to their crimes and deceptions. This, of course, is going to create anxiety in them, and it may lead to a fair bit of finger-pointing and blame-shifting. And Joseph tells them not to engage in any of that. that. It's all water under the bridge. They are new men. The past is gone. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed that incident from them, we might say, in New Testament terms, although that is an Old Testament quote. Don't fight over the past. The past is gone. God has made you new men. Thanks be to God. Verse 25 says, So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. (laughs) And thus, in a sense, one part of the story ends. And one part of the story begins. This is the end of the Joseph drama, for all intents and purposes. And it is the beginning of another drama. A drama foretold in days of old. A promise made by God to Abraham all the way back In Genesis 15, God said, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. God will save the people of Israel by hiding them away in Egypt. He will feed them, protect them, multiply them, and afflict them. And then, in a time of his choosing, he will redeem them. He will bring them up, and he will lead them home. God knows how to save and sanctify his people. Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook 
and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And hope to see you again tomorrow, right here for another episode of Into the Word. Before.